Halloween weekend is fast approaching in Savannah, and that means Georgia-Florida football, trick-or-treating, and Savannah Pride. The annual festival celebrating the past, present, and future of Savannah's queer community opens Thursday and runs through Sunday, with parades on Friday night and Saturday morning. The First City Pride Center's Dusty Church joins the commute to discuss the festival and its significance. Good day, Savannah, from all of us here at savannahnow.com. This is the Commute Podcast, presented by National Office Systems. I am your host, Adam Van Brimmer, opinion columnist and a deputy editor at the Savannah Morning News. Today is Wednesday, October the 26th, and yes, we are coming to you a day later than normal. Tuesday was packed with Hyundai plant groundbreaking and related festivities, and we'll get to that topic in the Thursday Commute. But on this episode, we talk about one of Savannah's fastest-growing festivals, Savannah Pride. Organizer Dusty Church joins me in just a moment. But first, a plug for National Office Systems, the commute's presenting sponsor. Here at the Savannah Morning News, we're planning an office move in the coming months, and we know whom to call once we settle in on an address. Scott Center and his team at National Office Systems. They've been helping Savannah businesses with their office needs since the 1980s. National Office Systems offers more than 200 product lines, including a new collaboration from two of the office furniture industry's leaders, Herman Miller and Knoll, also known as Miller Knoll. If your office space needs a refresh, National Office Systems can help. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys.com. That's www.natoffsys.com. Now, here's the conversation with Dusty Church. Joined on the commute now by Dusty Church, who is the chair of the board at the First City Pride Center which is we're in the midst of a pretty big week for them. Starting on Thursday, the 27th, we have the annual Savannah Pride Festival, which dates back quite a few years, uh, but has taken a couple of years off for obvious reasons with with COVID-19. But they are coming back this year with uh, three days of, uh, I looked at the schedule, it's it's pretty packed. And it starts (laughs) at Starling Yard and and moves downtown to, well, not not even three days, three and a half days, right? Because you have a Sunday event too. So a day at Starling Yard, two days at Ellis Square, a parade Friday night. This is this obviously this is this is a, a very exciting event and has has grown tremendously uh, as you get ready to put one on again for the first time in do my math here three or four years. What uh, how much how much anticipation is there for the event? Well, you know, it's, there's a lot of anticipation for uh, for us who are putting it on. I think you get a little blinders and are so focused on putting it together. You just hope everybody shows up at the end. You know, in 2019, we had probably uh, 30,000 people or so wow. pass through the event. Um, you know, the I think police estimates for the parade in um, Ellis Square was somewhere between five and 8,000 people just on the square during the parade. So it's a um, very well-received, popular event. And we know it's been a couple of years off and we just hope everyone is as excited as we are to bring it back. (laughs) Are you getting all the, are you getting the indication of that? I'm sure you have some RSVP and some other things with the events. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think so. I mean, we're anticipating it to be a very uh, strong event. You just, you know, it's hard, it's always scary when when you take some time away from something that was really popular. Um, right. So we're we're excited to get it, to have it come back, and um, certainly we've been hearing a lot from the community that folks are excited to have it back. As you've watched this build up over the years, uh, 
you attribute that to? Is it just just a great event? Is it maybe people are a little bit more accepting than the, as time has gone on? What are some of the, the, the main points you think you have that have contributed to the growth? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. Honestly, the the reality was 20 plus years ago when um, you know the community didn't feel safe. They were holding these in private spaces, uh, avoiding public um, uh, input and visibility. Um, and as the communities felt more and more comfortable being public, um, the, the event grew over a couple of decades. And then I think what we saw really starting in 2016 with the election um, and what we've seen politically over the last few years in terms of threats to our community that uh, folks are not willing to roll back the clock here. And, um, and there's been an increased uh, sense of urgency for the community to engage, to be present in these. Your pride is a great party, but it's also uh, it's activism. It is right. about you know making ourselves known. It's about declaring ourselves as part of this community and a valuable part of this community. And it's about celebrating who we are and our culture. Um, and so I think that uh, folks have uh, have started to feel a much more intense uh, need to embrace that uh, when faced with the political threats. Right. And, and you, you talked about the, that within the within the queer community. The straight community also has come around to a certain extent as well. Can you talk about kind of the support that you're seeing broadly? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Savannah is a wonderfully supportive community. It's a remarkably queer city, not just because of the number of queer folks in the city, but because of just how wonderfully supportive overall the community is. And that does include a lot of straight allies. Um, As an organization, uh, you know, we are incredibly fortunate to have um, sponsors and volunteers from the, the uh, straight community that uh, get involved and are eager to see our community um, be supported and protected and feel safe. And, and, and we're just immensely uh, you're proud of that. Uh, the reality is that any marginalized group, uh, you know, we, we rely on allies, all, all of us, um, regardless of what that group um, uh, you represents. Now, we're all in need of folks who decide that uh, the right thing to do is to support kindness and acceptance and um, go out of their way to um, to embrace that and support marginalized communities. And, and that's certainly been the case for us. Um, and Savannah has every year come out more and more uh, to show their support. And, and we're just incredibly fortunate for that. I want to stay on that thread for a minute. We'll come back to the fun of the of the festival here in a few minutes. But we're in election year. We are in the midst of, of culture wars. Um, how important is it for the queer community to have events like this? You, you mentioned activism, advocacy, awareness, you know, whether it's books in school or transgender. It's just everything seems to be political and, and highly charged. Uh, it, it's, it's just quite frankly, a disturbing trend to me and probably not quite as disturbing as it is to you, but a very disturbing to me that this has become uh, d- just so central to the divisiveness in this country. How can events like this maybe kind of depoliticize it a little bit and, and show people that, that maybe it doesn't need to be, you know, a, an us against them divisiveness issue. Yeah, well, you know, and we're certainly not alone as the the queer community. The reality is that we're seeing 
stunning anti-Semitism um, on display in politics currently. Um, we're seeing uh, just a remarkable pushback against even the acknowledgement of Black history. Um, and of course, we've seen really dramatic pushback against the acknowledgement of the queer community, attacks on um, trans kids in school. Um, it, it is... It's heartbreaking to watch, honestly. It's really hard to, um, to know that there's some kid who's done nothing wrong, um, that is just trying to express who they are and um, that adults would manipulate that for political gain and, um, and hurt that child because they think it will help them politically is just unconscionable to me. Um, and so events like this really are critical because they do more than just uh, advocate for grownups. You know, we have one of the things that we always do is have a, a paw raid on Saturday morning. We go out of our way to make sure that we have um, events that allow families and youth to participate because we know how important it is for young people to be able to find community for queer parents to be able to uh, bring their kids uh, to a space where they're not different. And, um, and for young people to be able to see that life is better as you get older, that you will be okay, that there are adults who love you and who support you and who are um, going to do everything they can to defend you is critical. And you know, I say all the time that everybody deserves to know they're loved. And with kids, it's incredibly important. Um, and, and so that's, that is, as much as anything, why we do these events, why we have a pride is to show, um, we want them to see healthy couples and healthy families, and we want them to see people who tell them that they are loved. Mm -hmm. And um, so pride really has a, an important place in um, you know, the humanity of our community and, and reinforcing that. Before Dusty and I break down the schedule for Savannah Pride, a break in the program to encourage you to subscribe to the Savannah Town Square Opinion Newsletter. Every week, subscribers to the newsletter get a sneak peek at an opinion commentary, get to weigh in on a Vox Populi topic, get caught up on our latest podcast topics and guests, and get access to a collection of our latest opinion works. All of that delivered to your email inbox. Go to savannahnow.com slash newsletters and sign up. And you don't have to subscribe to the Savannah Morning News or savannahnow.com to get the newsletter, so there are no excuses. Now, back to the discussion with Dusty Church. I know just from looking at the schedule uh, for the for the festival, but beyond that, I know what the First City Pride Center does as well. There's a lot of mental health and behavioral health services that are available to folks. Not to put too fine a point on it, but have you seen an uptick in that? Uh, obviously, it could be a lot of things. It could be the politics. It could be COVID. It could be a lot of things. But are you seeing an uptick? And and do you feel like uh, you you have your finger as best you can on how to to address and help folks who maybe are, are struggling with that? Yeah, I think we have a pretty good idea of how we need to address it. Um, resources is another thing. Um, certainly for us, we have... Um, you know, our, our mental and behavioral health uh, clinic, PRISM clinic, is open uh, 40 hours a week. Uh, we service uh, clients from uh, over a dozen surrounding counties. 
Um, and we have a long wait list. It yeah. is extraordinary the need um, and unyielding. Every single day, we get calls from parents, we get calls from kids, we get calls from individuals who are trying to figure out how they can even find medical care because their doctor says, I don't support who you are, I will not treat you. Mm. Um, and so we are um, constantly working to build our programs, build our, uh, the resources to meet that need. Um, we do have lots of support groups, even beyond our mental and behavioral health services, uh, include addiction counseling, um, uh, uh, transgender support groups, family support groups, veterans support groups, youth groups, um, all sorts of, um, of programs. And of course, some folks don't want to participate in, uh, in a support group. They're looking to find community because that's the type of support they need. And for that, we've got crafting groups, we've got book clubs, we've got movie nights, we've got all kinds of things that we do to make sure that people, um, whether they're looking to work directly with a therapist, looking for a support group, or looking for a community where they can engage in hobbies together to build a social network, that there's resources available to them. Um, and really, it's just for us um, about trying to meet the amount of need, but I think we understand well at this point um, what that need is. That's good. That's good. So let's talk a little bit more about the festival. Uh, I know that the down on Ellis Square, it's it's almost like a carnival, right? You got a lot of is, yeah. games and fun and talk a little bit about what goes on at the square and, and, and what, the, par what the, par the parade is all about. Yeah. So uh, for those who don't know, Halloween is the queer high holy day. Uh, this goes back um, you know, a century really back to um, parties in Harlem during like Harlem Renaissance. It is uh, something that was uh, a key feature of the Castro um, during the uh, queer liberation movement. This is uh, an opportunity for the community to be able to uh, embrace a dream, right? Um, it's a one the only day of the year that gender norms sort of go out the window. And whether you're a straight bro who wants to wear uh, wear a wig and fake boobs, you can get away with it, and nobody cares. And so it's a very comfortable space, a remarkably comfortable space for our community. And that's been part of this is the ability to dress up and not have the same level of fear. Um, and so uh, it's become such a critical part of our community's culture to celebrate Halloween um, that now throughout the country, really any gay borough, the biggest or the biggest Halloween celebration happens there, whether it's in New York or Chicago or L.A., um, the big Halloween celebrations are in the gay borough. So there was a natural drive for us to, uh, in America's Most Haunted City, to declare pride on Halloween. And so that's the the um, the link there and how we got to where we are with celebrating this weekend. And so, you know, we start with uh, a little tongue-in-cheek um, uh, nod to Savannah's masquerade balls. And so we have a masquerade that is on Thursday night. Um, and that is, uh, yes, a masquerade ball, but it is a nod to the uh, drag ball culture and the queer ball culture um, that really came out of inner cities and um, was led, uh, was a, a critical part of leading uh, queer black activism um, in our community. And so we have folks from Pose, which is the FX 
um, series. Jason Rodriguez, who's one of the stars of that show, will be down um, leading the voguing competition. And then we'll also work with youth over the weekend to teach them about the history of the ball community and to give them some uh, tutorials on voguing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then on Friday, we've got the festival that opens at five and the uh, nighttime Halloween pride parade. So folks are encouraged to come out. They're encouraged to dress up. You can walk in the parade with us if you'd like. Um, we want this to be a celebration of our community um, and not just a parade of floats. We want folks to be as, as participatory as they would like to be. Um, and so we, we're excited to have that. That's a, at 8 p.m. Um, it runs down River Street and then up to down Congress Street into Ellis Square. Um, and then on Saturday, the festival opens up with uh, our paw parade so we do a pride paw parade which is a doggy costume parade um for those who maybe don't want to stay up late on friday night yeah. or um, are looking for something that is um uh, family friendly and really going to be a great place for uh, kids to have a great time that's a wonderful event to participate in and there'll be lots of little fur babies dressed up in adorable costumes um at, at that and that starts at 11 a.m festival opens at noon It'll run all day. We've got VIP lounge. We've got drag shows. We've got all kinds of um, aerial ac acrobats and stilt walkers and flame uh, jugglers and sword swallowers and, you know, <laughs> whatever. It really is. It's a carnival and it is intended to push the boundaries of um, uh, of what people consider the norm. You know, that's what we want is for folks to, to think beyond uh, just their their day to day life and to see um, a really broad community that is um, very unique and uh, very creative. Right. right. Wow. And then on Sunday it's a drag brunch at Congress right. Street Social Club. Right. Congress Street Social Club is hosting another drag brunch. We did this actually last year. That was um, our our only foray into in person events. Last year was to host a drag brunch, and it was incredibly well received. And we are very proud to have Congress Street Social back as another um, of our straight ally supporting partners. Um, they are a wonderfully inclusive space that's been embrace, uh, embracing our community for a number of years now, and they will be hosting the drag brunch um, on right. Sunday. Right. Wow. Sounds like a very busy weekend. I see why yeah, you is. <laughs> see why you're like, oh, gosh, it's almost here. But uh, I'll be asleep at like five o'clock on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. But uh, uh, always good to talk to you. Best of luck with the the with all the festivities this weekend, not just the parade and everything else. And uh, thank you for all you do. Well, thank you, Adam. I really appreciate you having me on. That's all for this edition of the Commute Podcast. Thanks one last time to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Before I sign off, remember that we publish new Commute episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Whatever your interests, you will find interviews of interest in our archives. Search The Commute with that Savannah Opinion on your favorite podcast app. The Commute returns Thursday with Hyundai Talk and Ghost Pirates Hockey Talk. We'll see you then.